Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com. It's Monday, October 18th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. Families and friends have disagreed during the pandemic about whether everyone should be vaccinated against COVID-19. Many want loved ones to protect themselves by getting the shots, but they end up fighting. I can find a source to prove you wrong, and you can find a source to prove me wrong, and we can just play that game (laughs) ad nauseum. In just a few minutes, St. Louis Public Radio's Sarah Fenton talks with a health communication expert on how to discuss the vaccine with reluctant family members and friends. Governor J.B. Pritzker's administration is tightening its definition of a COVID outbreak at Illinois schools, aligning with new CDC guidance. The move comes as Pfizer is awaiting federal approval for its vaccine in children ages 5 through 11. Hannah Meisel reports. The Illinois State Board of Education had been operating under older CDC recommendations that defined a COVID outbreak as two or more cases at one school. But moving forward, the threshold for an outbreak will be higher, at least three COVID cases within a core group like a classroom or sports team, or multiple cases that comprise at least 10% of a core group. Additionally, multiple COVID cases in a school population will only be ruled as an outbreak if the cases are linked to students or staff getting infected either at school or in extracurricular activity. There are currently COVID outbreaks at 273 schools in Illinois, the vast majority tied to classrooms. I'm Hannah Meisel. Lawmakers return to Springfield this week, and at the top of their to-do list is approving new congressional district boundary lines Illinois will use for the next decade. Democrats who control the General Assembly have unveiled a draft of their proposed map, which includes 14 districts favored for Democrats and three for the GOP. Republican lawmakers like Tim Butler of Springfield blasted the new map as deeply partisan. It's one of the most incredible cartographic feats I've ever seen in the history of map making, to be honest with you. And when we have districts that extend from Rockford and slither through the state all the way into southern Illinois, it's incredible to see what happens. Republicans are not the only ones upset with the plan. Two sitting Democrats in Illinois' congressional delegation are also angry with their proposed new districts. The St. Louis Art Museum says philanthropist Emily Rao-Pulitzer plans to donate 22 major works of art. As St. Louis Public Radio's Jeremy Goodwin reports, the paintings and sculptures are among the most significant donations in the museum's history. The artworks include paintings by Pablo Picasso and Joan Miro, an Andy Warhol self-portrait, and a sculpture by Constantine Brancusi. They will go to St. Louis Art Museum upon Pulitzer's death, if not sooner. She says the museum is a great venue for works from her private collection to become a public resource. They can be great stewards of this art, which I not only love, but also think can be very enjoyable and enlightening for people and generations to come. Pulitzer and her late husband, Joseph Pulitzer Jr., donated many other pieces to the museum where she worked as a curator. It is not clear when the museum will display any of the art. I'm Jeremy Goodwin, St. Louis Public Radio. The St. Louis region's first golf tournament for people with disabilities tees off today at Forest Hills Country Club in Chesterfield. 
The Irons for Inclusion Golf Tournament accommodates people with blindness, limited mobility, and other disabilities. Organizers hope it will show that making sports accessible isn't difficult. Swimmer and Paralympic medalist Colleen Young will be the event's honorary athlete. The St. Louis native is legally blind and plays golf using a seeing guide. That really just shows that, you know, people with disabilities who need accommodations, that they can be fulfilled, you know, and I think it's not... It's, it's not a hassle to fulfill them. Athletes from the Disabled Athlete Sports Association, St. Louis Blues Blind Hockey Club, and St. Louis Beep Ball League will play alongside families and friends. The COVID-19 vaccine has been widely available for close to a year, but only around half of Missouri residents are fully vaccinated. Conversations about whether to get the vaccine have alienated families and friends. St. Louis Public Radio's Sarah Fentum asked University of Missouri-St. Louis Health Communication Professor Amber Reinhardt about convincing resistant loved ones to get the vaccine. I would say at one end of the continuum, you have people who were all about getting the vaccination. They ran out, they got it right away. On the other side of the continuum, you have people who say, like, I'm never getting vaccinated, and they're staunchly against it. And I would say if they're on that end of the continuum, it's really hard. But then you have people somewhere in the middle. And so that's what we call a vaccine hesitant. And I feel like if you have any kind of hesitancy where it's not a a fierce no, never, there's more hope for you to make a change than if somebody is just way far over on the other end. There's a lot of misinformation that's out there about the science behind the vaccine, what's in it, how safe it is. If people have those kinds of beliefs and that's what's keeping them, like how do you address that? Because I have a feeling that just saying, hey, that's not right, doesn't seem like an effective strategy. I think what we're finding a lot with misinformation is I can find a source to prove you wrong and you can find a source to prove me wrong and we can just play that game (laughs) ad nauseum. But if I were to say to you as your grandmother, like, I care about you, I'm worried about you getting ill, I want you to be with the family for Christmas, we all want to be together, those types of things I think play a lot better. I think you want to get to the root of why that's a fear for them. Have they heard a story from someone somewhere and it, there's a root where that started? And then you can you can kind of talk about that from that root cause rather than throwing a bunch of news articles out them. Have you seen that strategy work in your own life or in people that you know? Yes, absolutely. So my um, goddaughter just finally got the vaccination. And so she was on the fence. She was afraid of needles. She said, well, I don't know. What if something happens in a few years? And I feel like the family really took a position of taking a step back and saying, it's your body. It is your choice. But here are the reasons why we got the vaccine. But nobody forced or pushed it on her. And over time, she would ask a few more questions and people give her answers. And finally, she's kind of moved over there. So I think it's not something that happens immediately. But over time, it can We've seen the vaccine become sort of part and parcel with some people's political identity. I'm seeing it in line with a lot of other markers of, you know, this is who I am, this is what I believe. Does that make this kind 
of decision and changing someone's mind, does it make it harder for them when it becomes kind of embedded in somebody's political beliefs and identity? Absolutely. I think the fact that public health somehow has become politicized is making this rollout so much more difficult. And so I think the people who are firmly over in that end, you re- there are some people you could move, but you're going to have to give them a face-saving measure to do so. And so they have already been on social media proclaiming that they would never get the vaccine. But if you can give them a way to say, I did this for my daughter, I did this for my granddaughter, it allows them to change their mind without completely changing the values and ideals that they hold dear. And so places like New York City, where they have made those mandates where you can't get into certain places without the card, it forces people to have that opportunity to say, I'm going to get it, not because I believe in it, not because I've changed my mind, because I want to go do these things. And so in a way, they get to keep that political identity. Absolutely. And so I don't think it's convinced you that it's going to work or convinced you that you believe in the vaccine, but it's convinced you to go out and get the vaccine, which at the end of the day, it still gets us to the same goal. That was UMSL Health Communication Professor Amber Reinhardt speaking with St. Louis Public Radio's Sarah Fenton. Our David Cosseres edited that report. Shula Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. This has been The Gateway. Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house.